This is Sports Radio 100.9, The Myth. You've waited patiently all day. All wait. They were patient. They didn't get rushed. But Great Lakes Bay region, we finally arrived at the payoff from high school. House call for Isom. To college. Sounds like a Ryan Day disciple. Oh, that's me. To the pros. Not getting away from who he is. Won the Lions that football game. We cover everything a Michigan sports fan could want. This is uncharted territory. And now, here they are. It's the payoff. Oh, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a good one tonight. The Michigan State Spartans... Taking on the Duke Blue Devils. That's going to be 7 p.m. ESPN. One of the best college basketball games. Maybe one of the best sporting events of the week. All eyes are on the Spartans. We haven't had a ton of Spartans content on this show so far. Mostly because they haven't given us a reason to talk about them. Yeah, besides the loss to James Madison, of course. Exactly. But it is basketball season And some early season stuff with the football, but. Right. It is basketball season nonetheless. That is the marquee matchup, and that is the meat that's on the bone of today's episode of The Payoff. We'll get to it. We'll lead you right into the 7 p.m. tip-off. But I wanted to start with a Detroit Lions conversation because I'm just going to come out and say it. I've been very high on the Lions all year. Even going into the year, I thought this was a team that could potentially have 12 to 13 wins. An open futures bet in my FanDuel account can confirm that. I was high on this team, and I have been the entire season. But the more and more the Lions continue to stack up wins, the more and more reason I feel like I have to fear disappointment. Because the Lions aren't going to be tested again for a long time. See, the Eagles are playing the Chiefs on Monday. The Niners have to go through a gauntlet of a schedule. The Lions are going to stack up wins here in the next month. Bears, Packers, Saints, Bears. Next four games should be four wins. You are going to be in contention for this number one seed. But the reason I have to fear right now is because the problems that they have shown us, that they have, let's, let's be real with ourselves, this isn't a perfect team. It's far from perfect. The problems that this team has shown come out when they play the best teams on the schedule. They have shown holes on this roster when they're playing teams like the Ravens, when they're playing teams like the Seahawks, when they're playing teams like the Chargers. And I get it. They won. They won on Sunday. Why is this guy sitting on the radio telling you to be scared and nervous for the outcome of this season? The more and more the Lions stack up the wins, the less and less we're going to realize that there are holes on this team. The more they continue to throttle the teams beneath them, like the Bears and Packers and Saints over the next few weeks, you know, out of sight, out of mind. If there's not problems, if they're winning by double digits every week, there's no reason to talk about the worries that this team has. However, they're not going away. The trade deadline is over. The Lions didn't add a elite pass rusher at the deadline. Now, we did just get news about five minutes before we went live that the Lions decided to sign a veteran pass rusher, John. 
Yeah, how about Bruce Irvin in the fold? So, I don't hate that. 36 years old, you're taking a flyer. It costs you nothing. He's starting out on the practice squad. Whether or not he'll actually make the team or make a difference in games, be a competitor, be someone who's making an impact, we're yet to find out. But for now, let's just pretend like it's nothing because I'd say there's a pretty decent chance he ends up being absolutely nothing for this team, which isn't a knock on him. He's 36 years old. There's a reason he wasn't on an NFL roster to start the season. Mm -hmm. But the more and more we get away from playing good teams, you don't play another good team until the last three weeks of the season when you play Minnesota twice and Dallas once in between. I mean, we saw it on Sunday. Dan Campbell was very upfront about it today during his press conference. There was a huge lack of communication on the defensive side of the ball, which seems to be a common theme under an Aaron Glenn defense. This has been a story for two years. That was the story after the Seattle game. They can't get stops. They're not on the same page. That was all they could say after the Ravens game when they thumped them. There's no communication. Not everyone's on the same page. And all these other edge rushers, not named Aiden Hutchinson, can't win one-on-one matchups. The Chargers, first four drives, they scored three points. And the second they went to a high-tempo offense, they scored five straight touchdowns. Each drive was over 65 yards. If I was playing the Lions, I would just play high tempo, basically no huddle or these muddle huddles the entire game because this defense cannot communicate well enough with each other to all be on the same page or doesn't have the personnel to adjust without substituting on the fly. These edge guys can't win their one-on-ones if they're not named Aiden Hutchinson. He's been easy to scheme out of games. He hasn't had a sack in over a month. Do I have validation in the reason that I'm worried right now, John? And I, I'll, I, I'll throw the text line out there, too. Mm-hmm. Maybe someone can call me down, 989-837-6125. I just feel like we're going to get further and further away from playing a great team, and these problems are going to be pushed down and forgotten about. No, I, I mean, I think it's a fair complaint. We, we briefly mentioned yesterday because Michigan took up more of the topic with our show and everything that's going on with that. But it was a really good feeling on Sunday. You could throw uh, to the wayside, I think, at least for that day, and I think that's what a lot, a lot of people around here did, the fact that, yeah, it felt like a game that whoever touched it last was going to win. Like, if that game had more time, <laughs> that would have been the Chargers responding and then the Lions having to do it again, right? Like, that's that was the general feeling, the general takeaway. But games are hard to come by in the NFL. And there right now is one major weakness. And that's, I think, a consistent pass rush. That's, I wouldn't say that's it wholeheartedly, but I think that, like a defense for me starts at a pass rush. The secondary we know has been a problem that's been ailing and has been exposed at times, but it's also a secondary that's, never been fully healthy this season. A secondary that's had to be pretty much next man up, it seems like, each and every game. And, and, and different there's only looks so and much trying a different... secondary can do when your edge rushers can't get to the yeah. quarterback. Like, all right, let's try Hutchinson coverage because we can't get a rush and we need that extra support. Like, that, that was part of the game plan that irked you on Sunday against the Chargers, right? So, I understand all that, but wins are hard to come by in the NFL, and not to beat a dead horse and returning to a couple weeks ago, but the Lions didn't make 
that splash move for an edge rusher at the deadline. And, and it, honestly, that problem that you noted was exposed on Sunday. Again, a feel-good win. You really can't put any holes in this offense. I mean, it's it's a well-oiled machine, and and I would put it in the upper echelon, top three in the NFL right now. And I'm sure this, this, the statistics and the PFF say that as well. But, yeah, you don't want to give up 38 points, whether it be a win or a loss. And now you sort of have to meal piece things together. I think Irvin may help a bit. We talked about the fact that he's 36. Last season, three and a half sacks, 24 pressures. If you could utilize him in certain packages and he's not an every down player, maybe you can get something out of him. And James Houston's coming back too. But, that, but is that a solution? Body, like, but we've heard this story before. It's, oh, we're just, we've got a ton of bodies in the edge rush room. It runs deep. What does that translate to? Usually it means we don't have another star. We yeah. don't have another great player to go alongside Hutch. And you look at what the offense is doing. Just remarkable stuff across the board. Amon Ross St. Brown in an era where there is just feels like an unlimited amount of wide receivers who are just absolute studs in this league has a real chance to be on in first team all pro or second team all pro. Aiden Hutchinson or is Panay Sewell is legitimately a first team all pro player right now. One of the best right one of the best tackles in the league, certainly the best right tackle in the league so far this year. This is a talented team with a talented play caller. And I don't know if there's a ton of teams in the NFL that can stop this Lions offense from scoring 20, 24 points a game. But you look at this defense and it's just a clear hole of this team. There's problems with it. And they're going to finish with a great regular season when you look at their schedule remaining. They just are. But the season completely restarts if you make the playoffs. Your record does not matter unless you finish with that one seed. But we've seen in recent history, and by recent I mean Two years ago, Green Bay and Tennessee, both one seeds. Green Bay is supposed to have one of the best home field advantages in the NFL. Lost their very first playoff game to who? San Francisco. Tennessee, number one seed at Nissan Stadium. Their very first playoff game. Lost to the Bengals. You're, just because you're the one seed and you get the first round by doesn't guarantee you anything at all. And if the playoffs started right now, you'd be the two seed. You'd get a home playoff game and you'd play the Vikings. You feel decent about that one. But if you do get the one seed, and to be fair, I think I mentioned it. Philly's got Kansas City this week. Kelsey Bowl on Monday night. (laughs) There's a good chance Philly loses that game and the Lions jump into that one seed spot. You sit out the first round and the way the NFL seeding works is no matter what, the one seed plays the lowest seed. It just re- it resets. It's not a set bracket. Yeah. If San Francisco's a wild card and they're coming in as the fifth or sixth seed, you got to play with, you got to deal with them. You got to deal with Dallas. Like there are some legitimately good teams that you have to run into in that first round, in that divisional round, if you get the first round by. So it brings up the point what's more important? And I think I know where you lie on this, but I want to ask the people too. So text in 989-837-6125. What's more important, getting that one seed or getting this monkey off your back that is the longest playoff, not drought, but longest active streak without a playoff win in forever? It's been 30 years. Plus, what's more important? 
You awake over there? You asking me? I thought you were I'm, asking the audience. I'm asking you. I'm asking the audience. Nine eight nine eight three seven six one two five. You want to secure that number one seed because that's how you get your, in my opinion, answers itself. That you want the number one seed because that gives you the best chance to win that first game. And then you get hot in the postseason. You get hot, but you you want to for a young team that doesn't have a lot of playoff experience in that room. I don't think they have encountered an experience that they were that the moment was too big. I don't feel like that was the reason why Baltimore did what they did. I think it was just an offense that was really darn good, mm-hmm. and you didn't have the ability to contain Lamar early. They got into a rhythm, and then you couldn't make the adjustments. But you want to play that game at home because if it, if you do come out a little rusty or the moment's too big in the early stages, the home crowd reinvigorates you. So I think it, I think it answers itself. I think a better question is, and it's one they'll ask to you, and I guess everyone else as well, 989-837-6125, the text line. You're assessing this defense is the problem. Is it a Hutch problem or is it a Glenn problem? Ooh. Like, because that's, that's, I think, what we're sort of just narrowing in on. You, you don't want to focus in on it too much. It's a Tuesday. We get it, and I think this defense is going to look great in Chicago uh, or great versus Chicago this weekend probably. And if it's a field's return game, I think he's going to be in a lot of trouble. But do they have the pieces in place or not? Because you have said, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like there were times, especially in this first month of the show in October, where, yeah, Hutchinson played, had, had Hutchinson games, like forced a turnover, a couple of sacks, and then, you know, Anzalone had a game. And, and like no one had that game against LA. Is that, oh, the talent has just fallen off and the other teams have made adjustments? Or is it Glenn getting too complacent? Let's dive into that and the identity that Dan Campbell has put on this team with the aggressive mindset of the fourth down conversion rate. He's a maniac. He's changing the way football is played. We'll hit it next on the payoff fueled by forward energy. Back to the payoff on the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports. Yeah, everybody looks good at home. Sports Radio 100.9, The Mitt. John, you asked the question before we went to break. Is it Hutch or is it Aaron Glenn? Well, maybe a Dan Campbell quote from today can sum that up for you. He said, things, things always happen. Well, first of all, let me set the table. Uh, 97-1, they ask him if the defensive struggles are the reason, you know, he's so aggressive throughout the course of the game on fourth down. And he responds, Things always happen in a game that are going to affect decisions. It just does. I had a feeling going into the game that we needed to be aggressive, and I love our matchup offensively, and I just knew our guys would respond. Certainly in the moment, it felt like the right thing to do. Read between the lines a little bit there. He doesn't trust the defense. Mm-hmm. I could have played they, that they, for you, by the way. Oh, well, <laughs> well, my bad. I um, thought you wanted to hear the diaper comment. Yeah, I want to hear the diaper All comment. Right, yeah, we'll enlighten me. Enlighten me. Things always happen in a game that's going to affect your decisions. It just does. I had a feeling going into that game we needed to be aggressive. And I loved our matchup offensively, and I just knew our guys would respond. And so certainly in that moment, it felt like the right thing to do. And look, here's what I would say for, because I tell my family this, just wear a diaper before some of these games. And (laughs) I'll give them an alert, say, put them on and be ready to roll. Are you trading in the blue ski mask for the diaper, John? That's a you question. I don't wear a ski mask during the game. I don't wear I, a diaper I, during the game. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't know Shockingly. that. Shockingly. Um, but yeah, like Dan Campbell has, I mean, read between the lines there. He doesn't trust the defense 
to get stops down the stretch of games. I don't know why they gave him any reason to think the defense would have gotten a stop if they decided to punt or go for a field goal um, and give the Chargers a chance to go score a touchdown to win the game. This has been an ultimately disappointing defense that has shown up against teams below them and against teams just with good offenses. It's been disappointing. And that's why Dan Campbell has, that's part of the reason he's been so aggressive on fourth down. And it's led to this identity that we're just going to be the most aggressive team in the NFL. Ironically, the lions are tied for the first, uh, for the most fourth down attempts with your giants. Yeah. Woo. Sure. Um, you know why? Cause it's always fourth down. That's why it, you're right. It is always fourth down. They can't pick up first and they have the Detroit does it because, Oh, they're, uh, you know, in the red zone and they just keep getting the ball because the defense right, gets stops. Them. You know, the, the Giants, it's just because every drive they have leads to a fourth down immediately. <laughs> um, they have 12 fourth down conversions, which is second only behind Philly. But Philly, Philly's doing something else. This tush push thing, they hack the system. They, they have a loophole, a cheat code that no one else does. What Philly's not doing is going forward on fourth and five and running it up the middle with David Montgomery. That's ridiculous. That is unheard of. Yet the Lions are converting on 54% of their fourth down conversions, which is really only 11th in the league. It's more towards the middle of the pack. And I think there's this misconception that the Lions are so good on fourth down when realistically they're 11th. They're, they're not even top 10. It's interesting because they're on pace for the most fourth down attempts of all time in a season. And the team that did that was last year's Browns. And they converted at 54%. That's exactly what the Lions have done. So to say that they're this elite fourth down team, it's it's not exactly true. They just, it feels like they pick up the right ones. To, to me, I think Campbell has cultivated a culture that uh, honestly is perfect in these scenarios. If you heard Jared Goff after the game, he said his belief is, yeah, I assume we go for it on every fourth down mm. and until I'm told otherwise, that's his mindset. I think that's what you want for your quarterback. And yep. then you make the decision, okay, yeah, no, we're not going to go for it. Campbell said, he, he said it, you know, you just heard the audio clip from, from the ticket today. He said it after the game in the post-game press conference. He's doing it by situation. When the offensive line was dictating things to the Chargers like they were on Sunday, and I don't know if you saw the clip, by the way, First rush of the game, the entire Lions offensive line moved the Chargers D-line a full yard. I'll, I'll, we'll share that clip on socials after the show. I thought it was great. I, I, I didn't realize it in live time. The whole offensive line, all five, moved them back a yard. That's how they established the game. So Campbell sees this line, see this. That's going to produce confidence to go for it on, the four, on, on fourth down. And, and that was their belief all game long. Maybe they don't feel that way against Baltimore. I, I, I think the perfect storm for this is being on the tad aggressive side because the analytics say, yeah, go for it on fourth down. It's one of the, of course, things that just is a perfect storm for the NFL. Analytics in every other sport, I think, have led to more negative than positive. All right, three-pointers in the NBA. All right, you, just, you know, you just don't the, like the, basketball. the MLB is bullpen, so blah, blah. No, I'm willing to take shots, or I'm, I'm willing to analyze fair. It, it's, it's hurt baseball in some respects, in my opinion, so now we need a pitch clock. The NFL, it's like, yeah, go for it every fourth down. Well, we and, okay. The pitch, never mind. But 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 Different that's but that's the thing, and and, and that's just an aside. But go for it on fourth down, like until you can get stopped in those scenarios, do it. And you gotta love that confidence because there's a lot of head coaches, and they won't say it in other markets, but it's hard to defend 
going for it on fourth and not getting it when the ball's at midfield or the ball is slightly in your zone and you're about to get to midfield. And the Lions continue to do it. And they're going to get media flack if in a big spot they're too aggressive. But right now you got to love what you see, which is just fearlessness from this team. But is A it, team it, that knows it can do it and then does it. Is it fearlessness or is it... I don't trust the defense to get stops. It's it's like a cycle, a snake eating its own tail. You can continue to be aggressive and say you trust in the offense, and that can be true. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be some scenarios where, and there's been plenty of them in the last three seasons under Dan Campbell, where you're just scratching your head like, in what scenario should we have gone for that in fourth down? I mean, first quarter, midfield, fourth and five, yeah. and you're running it up the middle. They end up getting the first down. But that is just a wild thing to do in the NFL. Run it up the middle on fourth and five with David Montgomery. You get it. I, I understand. And like you said, there's no there's no flack when you pick it up. But holy cow, like there, there are some decisions where it's just, it feels like the wrong decision. And I think it just, the backbone of that is we don't trust our defense. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be able to get stops against teams like Philly, against teams like San Francisco, who also have great offensive lines. and. Is Brock Purdy a a top 10, top 15 quarterback? I don't necessarily think so. But when you give him a tremendous amount of time in the pocket, he's going to be able to pick you apart. Not in the way Jared Goff can. But when you have weapons like CMC, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle, it doesn't really matter. Jalen Hurts has the most time to throw in the NFL. And and that's not me just rattling off numbers. Mm. There's TTT, time to throw. That's a stat. Jalen Hurts has the most of that in the league. Behind that offensive line, maybe the only one better than Detroit's. Against Detroit's pass rushers, that dude's going to have all day to throw and torture the Lions through the air. And then as soon as they, and I get it, the Lions have been great against the run. That's not what I've ever argued against. I think they are an elite team against the run. But nobody's stopping Philly on fourth and one. No. Nobody. And and I, I think it, it just gets back to the point. If Chase Young's on this team, uh, I feel, here we go. <laughs> I feel a lot better about our, our odds stacked up against Philly. But do you think anyone is beating Philly in Philly? Because I don't. No. That team has been phenomenal this season. Sensational. Doing things I've never seen before. And it feels it still feels like the Lions are just a step beneath that on the defensive side of the ball. Mm. Offensively, I think they can score on anybody. But defensively, how many teams can they stop? Of the top 10 offenses, how many of them are you confident? And that's what the playoffs are. There's not a lot of shootouts in the playoffs. It's can you get stops? And I I, I sadly don't trust the Lions to do so. Because I got breaking news for everyone. The Lions aren't scoring 31 points per game in the playoffs. That's just not how playoff football works. What, what it's is, sloppy. What do they it's messy. Need to, what do they need to do to convince you? Because I don't, I don't, I don't see know. another game. I don't a see playoff a, team under 25. <laughs> I don't see another game in the, in the immediate, like, if the, if the Broncos, right, Saints and Vikings, right, though, and uh, Cowboys, I should have probably thrown them number one. Those are your four teams that have at least close to a winning record. Broncos are now five hundred. The Saints, I guess, are in the mix in the NFC South. Like uh, the Saints' offense is. Awful. I, I have a question for you too, and and be honest, because we'll, we'll see it over the next two weeks. You're playing two quarterbacks, ideally for Chicago. Justin Fields pl- plays, but we don't know that 100 percent confirmed. But he's right now. It looks. He's going to play. He's going to play. So Jordan Love and Justin Fields, you containing them, like, is that going to do it for you? 
No, because what does that prove? <laughs> that's what, what does I'm that asking. prove that you can beat uh, that you can beat the Bears or you can beat or you can beat Green Bay? They've already beaten one of those teams once at their place. Mm-hmm. Justin Fields has a one in three record against Detroit. That doesn't prove anything. If you can go down and shut down that Dallas offense that's been humming lately, yeah, I'll feel a little bit better. But I, I'm at the point now where I, I don't believe it until I see it. I don't think this team has the benefit of the doubt on the defensive side of the ball. And I certainly don't think in the few years Aaron Glenn has been here as defensive coordinator, what we've seen from that sample size, I don't think he deserves the benefit of the doubt either. Quite honestly, he's been poor since he's been here in Detroit. So I don't know, John, answer your own question. Do you have any, any confidence in this defense to get stops against good, good offenses? I think more than you do. I, I think I think as long as <laughs> I mean it, it's tough coming off what we saw, but early in the season, and I get I get weaker opponents, but there was at least uh, some push, some pass rush, even against the Ravens. You know, like it, it, it was tough to see at times because the Ravens' offense is just such a novelty, and they they don't really let you get to Lamar. He's already out of the pocket before you before you have time to time to get to him. And then when he does stand in the pocket, it's because you're expecting to run. Like, that was just, I think, a game that was, again, an aside. But I, I think in, in previous matchups against good teams, even against Seattle, there was that push. There wasn't maybe uh, statistics or uh, uh, that's that that key sack. And you and you brought up the numbers yesterday based on, yeah, the one sack against Geno was him sort of falling to the floor. But there was at least a push, at least I wouldn't maybe – Quantified what as game a pressure, but a hurry. What game were you watching? I mean, like Herbert Gino had all the time. Day. Po- eh, yes, I, he did. Eh, I, I, I think, I think in previous games there was more of a hurry to it. I didn't see that against the Chargers, so I, I think it's just returning to form. And I, I mean, the, the main thing, and we, not that we've been talking around it for twenty six minutes here, but it's got to be a number two pass rusher stepping up, and whether that's Bruce Irvin or whether that's someone on the team. It's not going to be someone that, that's on the team right Hutchinson now. Hutchinson, well, it's got to be. It's got to be. It's not going to be. Well, John, who are they going to go out and sign? Well, you're, nobody now. I mean, Bruce like, Irvin, I guess. Like, because because Hutchinson is great, but he needs a, a Batman needs a Robin in this scenario. To because because it starts and and I've always had this thought: the pass, the defense starts with a good pass rush. You can make up for linebackers uh, who aren't the best in coverage. You can make up for secondary insecurity if you can get to the quarterback consistently. And I'm not even saying in sacks, just that threat of pressure. Right now, the D-line doesn't threaten to me and didn't against the Chargers. Well, after the text line blew up yesterday of people coming at you, it looks like you've got some people defending you. We'll hit the text line next. You guys are flooding it, 989-837-6125, and then we'll get into some Michigan State basketball. You're listening to The Payoff, fueled by Forward Energy. More of the Greatlands only local sports show. Back to the payoff. Well, John, I thought someone was, one was defending you on the text line. Turns out they uh, they corrected themselves. They're actually going at you once again. Not says, going at me, well, disagreeing I mean, with you. Yes, which in my mind is the same thing. He says, oh, okay. this is contrary. And he says, if Hutch was all that, he wouldn't need more help. They don't even double team him. This is a need in the draft once again. Uh, that's not true. They do double team him a lot. And when they're not double teaming him, he's getting cracked blocked by tight ends and running backs a lot. Yep. Like basically every single play. Mm-hmm. 
They're always like that's the top priority. You take him out, and none of the other guys can win one on one. Other teams make it a priority to get at least another body on Hutch. So as much like you can say he's not getting double teamed, but when you get cracked by a running back at some point in the play, that that takes you out of it just as much. And and I'm not sitting here arguing Aiden Hutchinson is one of the three best edge rushers in the league by any means. He still has steps to go to get there. He's in his second year. He's like 23 years old. No, he's not one of the guys yet, but you hope he can get there and you want to help him get there by giving him more help. So yes, I do agree. It's got to be a priority, not only in the offseason and free agency, but in the draft. Chase Young is still going to be a free agent this year. He's still a free agent. San Francisco is not going to be able to pay him. There's guys on the market. There's a lot of guys on the market. Ashawn Robinson's on the market. Got to go get someone. You got to go help. Help out your guys. We got Bruce. It's not 2013, unfortunately. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce. He's Bruce. kind of a legend for punching Gronk in the, uh, Is he though? In the Super Bowl. Yeah. For, for starting a, a brawl after it, losing it to takes, the Patriots because his coach couldn't uh, run it on a fourth. Or it takes a, grit to punch Gronk. Does it though? Yes. This is Jeff from Midland. Hot take, take alert. Uh-oh. Michigan has a better resume <laughs> than Ohio State. Yeah. They have five common opponents so far. Michigan has a higher margin of victory in four of those five. Both Wisconsin and Nebraska are five and five. So I would consider those to cancel each other out. The only thing pointing to Ohio State um, is the narrow win over an overrated Notre Dame team. Doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I kind of think Georgia has the best resume at this point. And I know you've been on that for a long time, John. Yeah, and Ohio State has a better resume too. Why? Because Michael just pointed out because they went to Notre Dame and beat them. And Notre Dame is what? A two-loss team, now three-loss. They did lose to Clemson, but going to be in the top 25 when the rankings are revealed tonight. Maybe. Michigan doesn't have that. They went to South Bend, Indiana in prime time and beat them. And, and Georgia just rattled off back-to-back weeks where they yeah. look dominant against top 12 schools. Yeah. I think, I think Georgia might be number one tonight. Michigan, they might. I, there's a lot of people out there that think, especially Ohio State fans, that Georgia jumps them. And they should. Right now, they have the best resume. I, th- I think tonight the top four is... Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State. You don't think Washington jumps Florida uh, State for Florida State almost getting a scare? No. No. Okay. Yeah. All right, one more, and then we'll get into some MSU basketball, and we'll, we'll sprinkle in some, uh, some U of M hoops. This is Michael from Midland. Do you think Dan Campbell going for it as Campbell. much as... Dan Campbell going for it as much as he does, or as much as he... Wait, what? What is it? Do you think that Dan Campbell going for it as much as he does or as much as he can means he doesn't trust our kicker? Meaning he doesn't trust Patterson. Um, they don't trust him to kick long field goals. They trust him to win the game. Yeah, on a chip shot. I, you'd, I hope you can trust your kicker to make a game-winning field goal from what? What was it, 35 yards out? 36, I think. 36, I hope so. Yeah, you know, they don't trust him from 50, but they trust him from, and they do trust him. They've had him attempt to kick this year for 50. Once. Right? I, I mean, I think it's based all on scenario. I, I, th- I think if, if it was a Chargers defense that was giving you fits, but you had the ball last, they would have, I think, settled for a kick in that spot. But they were so confident that they could dictate uh, really the game to L.A. where we're not even going to go to St. Brown. You know what? We have Gibbs and Montgomery having a great game, but we're going to surprise you with Laporta because you're so all over the place, and that's the number one reason, not because of the kicker. Because then they would have tried to punch it in because I think they had the confidence they could have punched it in, but they were like, no, let's run down the clock. Let's be smart. We trust our kicker, and he won the game for them. One more text rolling in. It just says, Thibodeau, 
better than Hutch. I like the contrarian a lot. He's wrong, but I like that a lot. Well, okay. Thibodeau didn't play against Dallas this week. And the one game he's played without Leonard Williams, he didn't record a sack or a hit or anything. So let's, let's watch never, him play without Leonard Williams. Thibodeau's a very good player. He's never had a game like Hutch did against, uh, who was it, the, uh, the Falcons this year where he had the pick? Yeah. Was that the pa- Panthers or the Falcons? You you know this more than I do. Just off the top of the head. Where he had that one-handed interception. Oh, and right, two right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, that was the against Fal- Ritter and the Falcons. Yeah, yeah. Hutch, uh, Thib- I've watched every Giants game. Thibodeau hasn't had a game like that. Sorry. Yeah. Thibodeau's, Let, big, Thibodeau's like biggest moment. Williams. Thibodeau's biggest moment is doing a snowflake uh, celebration next to an injured guy late last season. That's his claim to fame. And you know what? Like as much as I'm going against them, it's just because he's part of a terrible defense. But yeah. And remember too, and not to go too much into this, but Wake Martindale in New York is a heavy blitz guy that helps out tips. The Lions, I don't know the blitz percentage rate off the top of my head for them. Ain't but high. Yeah, you've been calling for them to show more blitz packages all season long. The Giants are blitz first at times when they actually were competitive in games. And so, that helps. Uh, I take Kayvon Hutch over Thibodeau. I take yeah, I take Hutch over over Tibbs any day. Uh real quick before we get into the Michigan State stuff, because we're gonna roll right into that here on 100.9. We got Mi- we got the game tonight, folks. We got the game. You guys can listen to Michigan State versus Duke right here. Do you know who's on the call, John? <laughs> Off the top of your head? No, no it's it's okay. It's okay. Hey, it was um, funny, actually. Rich Juday, our director of sales, he was hyping it up. He's he's getting ready. He's uh, you know, he was excited to to listen tonight. Um, but not off the top of my head, no. I, I'm excited to listen tonight. That's exactly what we're gonna be doing when the show ends. But before yeah. we jump into the Michigan State stuff, Michigan, an impressive three and They got the victory at MSG yesterday over mm-hmm. your St. John's team. What, yeah. what happened, John? Listen, I, you know, yesterday I came off as a, a loser, hater to Michigan, right? This is where I'm going to give them credit. Obviously, the basketball program and not the football program. All on air today, and it was on the huge show, which airs three to six here on 100.9 The Mint, pretty much underselling this Michigan win. Yeah, it was impressive, and they had the conversation if, if Michigan's underrated, but John Beeline called St. John's the most underrated or, or one of the most overrated teams. Uh, so even Mr. Michigan is not saying, oh yeah, th- th- you know, that win sold me for St. John's. And I know people don't understand this perspective and that's why I'm going to explain it. That's why it's actually a good reason I'm here. That was the Finally most found some reason. That, yeah, exactly. That was the most like hyped up an early season game has been for St. John's in 20 years. They had pyrotechnics. They had a, a Madison square garden that had two levels filled. Okay, they had they never usually sell the top bowl for St. John's games since really since the Mullen days. They had that place sold out to the brim. They brought in Rick Pitino, who has been working and getting countless NIL dollars to where St. John's ranks. If you look at the NIL rankings and willing to do the research, they rank with the Blue Bloods now. Mm. The on-court result doesn't put that, but the NIL money that's coming in is, is looking like that. Pitino got all these transfers, a team that received votes received votes for the top 25 right on the outside of it, got absolutely demolished by a team in Michigan that was a preseason number 11 in the Big Ten. A 14-team conference, number 11. And Michigan went in there, and I know they only won by 13 at the end. If they kept the starters in and kept the pedal to the metal, that would have been a 30-point loss. Listen, so I, I'm, not, I, I, I'm not saying uh, you know Michigan is, is better than Michigan State basketball by any means. We're three games in. But McDaniel is a guy, and this is all being done without Jawan Howard 
on the bench. Well, it right? might be for the best. Right. I, uh, well, I don't know. But th- this is a Michigan team that was supposed to take a massive step back, and they embarrassed a team that had high expectations. And I know it's early, but high expectations, an environment they've never had uh, or haven't had in a while, and they went on the road, a true road game, really, and they got not just a win, a dominant win. So I think I think Michigan basketball deserves a lot of respect. Hey, I, I think you hit and it. St. Right John's on the can nail still head. be overrated, but I think you hit it right on the nail head. Like this isn't a team. We're we're not trying to hype this team up as a contender in the Big Ten or a contender to win the whole thing in March, but no. but maybe a team that sneaks in. Yeah, they might be a lot better than expected, and I kind of like the angle of the the no one believes in us, the no expectation season. Yep. Because this Doug McDaniel guy might be a dude. Yeah. He only averaged eight points per game last year as a freshman. And I know we've only played three games, but 26, uh, 26 points or 21 points a game over 52% shooting. If you can keep that up, you're going to be able to keep Michigan in games. Problem is he's only 5'11". He's small, but he can Come get on. buckets. Doug, Mc, Doug McBuckets? Can we can we officially crown that nickname to Well, Dougie to Doug McBuckets was Doug McDermott, so you have to ask him. I'll get on that. All right, All right. That. Michigan State takes on Duke tonight. We'll hit it next on the payoff fueled by Forward Energy. The payoff continues. More from the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports. Sports Radio 100.9, The Mitt. Surprise, Michigan State versus Duke on our airwaves at 7 p.m. As soon as the payoff is done, John, exciting stuff. You're going to hear it. You're going to hear it on our air tonight. We, and we got the Tom Izzo show tomorrow where he's going to break it all down, which hopefully is Michigan State sort of, again, not redemption. You, you're not going to make up for the fact you lost the game early to James Madison. But, like, let, let, let's make a statement. Let's Let's do something tonight. This is a Duke team. That everyone's picking. They're the favorites tonight in Chicago, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Let's let's see, because this was, at the beginning of the season, a feeling of, all right, you know, this was going to be a top 10 matchup. Now it's a top 15 or even top 20, right? Michigan's down to 18 yep. in, the, in the latest day people, dropping 14 spots because of that loss, obviously. Let's, let's see what they could do against a Duke team that may not have Coach K, Ben, but they're still Duke. Tom Izzo. They call him Mr. March. They do. Not Mr. November. No, that's Reggie five, Jackson. <laughs> five and seven in the Champions Classic. One and three versus Duke. Ugh. And that one win came in the COVID season, so take it however you want it with no fans. He's three and 16 versus Coach K, but obviously this is the first meeting without Coach K since 1958, John. 1958. It's been a long time, and this is an opportunity for Izzo to kind of stick it to Duke. This could be one of the last times a school these schools play each other. When you look at Tom Izzo's age, he's 68. This is the oldest coach, one of the oldest coaches in college basketball, the oldest coach in this Champions Classic game. It comes down to this. I know you got something else, but for me, it comes down to, can you stop Kyle Filipowski, the seven-foot phenom from Duke? Our boy Flip. Uh, he's your guy from New York. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, Gatorade Player of the Year from Massachusetts because he had to transfer to an academy. He had to be Mr. Prep School. The Fordham Prep Fordham Prep in the Bronx wasn't good enough for him. So, you know, if had to you, go to four different high schools. Just kidding. If he's, you, a, he's a stud. If you don't know about this guy, he probably could have been a first-round pick in the NBA last season. But he t- decides to return to Duke, has double hip surgery over the offseason, now comes into a sophomore season. The biggest question was, A, can you gain some weight? Can you gain some muscle? Well, last season he was 
uh, a slim 220 pounds. Now he's 238. So he gained some size. The other question was, are you going to be able to be a good three-point shooter? Because last season, seven foot, just 28% from outside. Averaged 15 points a game. Only two games this year, but the three-point shooting's already seen massive improvement. 57%. Again, only two games, small sample size, but in those two games, 25 points, 57% from outside. The Arizona game, I know they lost, certainly wasn't his fault. 25 points, eight rebounds, 10 for 20 from the field, three for five from outside, a block, and two steals. If you want to beat Duke, it starts with stopping this guy because he's going to be a lottery pick in the NBA. Mm-hmm. This is one of the better players in college basketball, if not a favorite to win the Wooden Award this year. This is a stud. And I know you have a different key to the game it, for Michigan sort of go- State, no, I mean, but it's I think it's, it starts with stopping this guy because whereas Michigan State is team-oriented basketball, mm-hmm. pass the rock, find the open shot, that's not where Duke has found their success. It's been through their stars, and that's that's their star this season. It, it It's a little different, but it sort of goes in line and in stride of what you're saying because flipping that game 25 points, you said it against Arizona, but what kept them in that game was the shooters. Jeremy Roach, who's a returner, Jared McCann, Tyrese Proctor, they shot for a 12 for 31 clip, 5 for 14 from the line. A lot of people think Michigan State's going to have to just outshoot Duke tonight, right? This is how the team's built. All right, Tyson Walker, he's been as cold as Cole can get, and no one's really helped him, right? And and the three-point shooting through the first two games is like at an historically bad mark. So it's not going to happen tonight. It can't happen tonight. You just got to out, outshoot him. You have to, no, you you. I mean, yes, that's part of it, but you have to contend inside a bit. You have to. Got to go your challenge point, Kyle. Contain Kyle. Filipowski. Contain Kyle. Keep him, you know, I, I would even say to like 20 and eight's fine. Arizona got it done by keeping him to that. You do that as well. But there's got to be, there's got to be an inside presence. There's got to be. Cohen's, Cohen's got to make a play or make a couple plays as a first year. He's going to be the guy that you lean on at times this season as your inside presence. I get the Michigan State team. And everyone could do everything, and that's and that's sort of the philosophy. And this team is built on their shooting. They're going to live and die by it. I, th- I think you have to contend inside to have any shot tonight. You're not going to be able to outshoot Duke. You're not. That's that's You might be able to outshoot some teams in the Big Ten, and, you know, come March, it's it's who's, you know, most hot from behind the line, and you got to have those guys. you gotta have got to have that stuff. But I, I think tonight a little more emphasis on, on, on getting – at least even with Duke in the inside. And it's going to be a test, obviously. And it's not your strong suit, but I, th- I think they could shoot as, Michigan State could shoot as well as they want tonight if they, if they get the rebound, if they don't win the rebound battle and they don't have a presence inside, Duke's going to sneak out of the United Center with a dub. And obviously one of the biggest reasons Michigan State was so high, highly ranked to begin the season was you're bringing in all these upperclassmen. You got all these seniors in your starting lineup. Well, Duke's kind of the opposite, but there's a unique twist on this. They have three sophomores in their starting lineup, one freshman and one senior, that senior being being Jeremy Roach. Mm-hmm. Last season, they had five freshmen in their seven-man rotation. And then Derek Whitehead, Derek Lively, now in the NBA, Derek Lively killing it over in Dallas. Now, you all those freshmen that were in that rotation last year now have all this experience as starters. Maybe not the experience that Tyson Walker has as being as what's ninth year. It feels like at <laughs> Michigan state, but grad student, grad, but student. people who have been relied on as freshmen got that type of experience early. And let's just be quite frank. 
more talented players. Higher recruits. I mean, the one freshman in their starting lineup, Jared McCain, he's a five-star. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who's highly recruited by NBA talents. Their sophomore, one of, I mean, their other sophomore outside of uh, Kyle Filipowski, Tyrese Proctor, another guy who is going to be a lottery pick. This team has two lottery picks basically guaranteed unless something tragic happens to one of these two guys. It's a 6'5 guard. That's going to be a matchup nightmare for Michigan State. 6'5 is pretty big for a guard, especially when you look at Tyson Walker, doesn't have a ton of size. I get he can score with anybody and has struggled from the field this year. But Duke brings a whole different problem with the athletes, shooting, and skill that they have across the board. That's always been the case for Duke, whereas Michigan State's relied on their senior veterans. This, well, that's their identity. Yeah, Duke is, we're just more talented than you. And to your point, Cohen Carr's got to have a, a big game tonight because yep. he, he's, he's one of or the more least, talented players in college basketball this, this season, in, at least in terms of athleticism. Yep. Xavier Booker, not getting a starting minutes for Michigan State by any means, but when you're going against some of the top guys, all these five stars that Duke has, your five star, even though he's a freshman coming off the bench, he's got to show up a little bit. Yeah, show it, some spark against it, these guys. It would be nice, and I sort of laid that out of it being his game tonight. Not necessarily. It's just it's, it's, it's got to be something, though. It's it's got to be something that we uh, more than what we saw against James Madison. It, it's got to be an inside presence. It just has to be. I don't think I'm going to die on that hill. We'll see the game tonight, and you'll hear it tonight on 100.9 The Mitt. Uh, if it becomes a shootout, you know, becomes a becomes a game where it's just straight baskets both sides. I think Duke Duke has the talent edge, and they've shown the uh, ability to shoot from behind the arc at a higher clip than Michigan State has. Again just two or three games into this season, but I, I, I don't think it could be solely one with Tyson Walker having a career high. It's just, I don't think so. This is the first game that really matters for Michigan State. I, I know they had the James mm-hmm. Madison game, but that was, that was a game that shouldn't have meant anything. Yeah, well, Michigan State nice. should be walking into this game undefeated. Should and be. this should be both of their first, uh, not Duke, but this should be Michigan State's first real test. Well, you got rattled early. It's about how you respond, because if you win tonight, nothing else. That James Madison game, you can throw it out the window. Mm-hmm. It's a long season. College basketball is a long season. And let's just be honest, before conference play starts, how much does it really matter? Eh, not, not, a whole, not a whole lot. It's fun. It gets you a sneak peek of your team. But as long as you do well in your conference, you should be in March Madness. At, at the end of the day, that's just what it is. Mm-hmm. But these games early on... They're testaments of what this team can be. Yeah. Is Michigan State one of the better teams in college basketball, or were we wrong to just write in the fact that they were going to be good because Tom Izzo was the coach, because they had all these seniors, and that's been the recipe for, for success in college basketball the last couple of years? Or did we just overlook the fact that Michigan State maybe not as talented as some of these other teams like Duke? We're going to find out tonight. And also, John? We are. I, I, I'm kind of convinced, I know I'm wrong on this, but are there Michigan State fans that live in this area? The people that text in are all, <laughs> all, all blue guys, all Michigan people. Where are the MSU fans? You guys got to represent, represent yourselves a little bit more. Well, do they represent themselves at the United Center tonight? We were looking back at past game footage, the last matchup between these two schools in Chicago at the United Center, part of this championships class, uh, Champions Classic. 2017 exactly. was that game. Grayson and- Allen, 38. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, what a guy. Uh, stand-up individual. But 
like, is 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 it going to be majority Duke tonight? Like, I'm, I, that's what I'm curious to see. Those Duke fans, they travel well because you know the Spartan Spartan fans travel well as travel well as well. But do they? I, I think they do. But I'll tell you, not giving them too much of a reason not showing up against James Madison. We'll see though. They're going to need them tonight. They're, they're definitely going to need them. And Duke, Duke travels, uh, I would say, probably the best of any uh, college basketball program in the country. And then following it, Kansas and Kentucky. By the way, you asked earlier who's going to call the game. I got that for you if you want. Yeah, let's give, hear Give him a shout-out. Uh, Will Timon's on the play-by-play. Matt Steganga is the color analyst. And then how about this? Blake Froling, former Loons broadcaster, the studio oh. host. Blake Froling has this. He gets invited to Brad's house, unlike you and I. Brad will actually we, we have him once. over, you know? He we went once. Um... <laughs> What are your predictions? I'm talking about actually, you know, events with other people, not not just to watch a Pistons game. Give me your give me your score predictions for tonight, Ooh. both games or just winners. Well, what do we got? Well, you want both games? You want a Kentucky Kansas pick out of me? Yeah, That's number like, number uh, one team in the nation, Kansas taking on 17 Kentucky. Hunter oof. Dickinson. Oh, I didn't That's even realize. Name. I didn't. We didn't even touch on that. Hunter Dickinson no. in Michigan State in the same building right now. There might be another locker room battle. <laughs> uh, Duke's minus four. <sighs> I don't know. I, I think this is going to be an 82-74 Duke win. No defense. Who you got yeah, in the, no. who you I got in the second back and game? Forth. I got Kansas. I don't know if I can give an accurate score there. I'll, take, I, I'll take Kansas I, I, I and got Duke. Kansas. So we both have Kansas and Duke? Yeah. So Kentucky and Michigan State are like almost most definitely going to win. Yeah, hopefully. I, hopefully it's the, it's the jinx, right? It's the curse. Hey, maybe we should just both pick. Yeah, let's, let's both pick Duke, and hopefully Michigan State can, can get it done. Because it makes it makes it more fun. Mm-hmm. We want Michigan State to win. Uh, there it is. Fun show. Just a moment away from Michigan State taking on Duke right here on 100.9 The Mitt. That was the payoff, and I hope it was worth it.